When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome in to this new edition of UAP Weekly. I am Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today because um, this one, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do this here today. Uh, kind of last minute, actually, and I really appreciate Nick Pope, who is on the show today, for doing this last minute. I was trying to get together with him, and it worked out for this week. You know, very busy, busy schedules on both of our ends, actually. So I'm happy to say that uh, Nick Pope will be joining me here on the show today in just a minute because we are going to discuss everything that's going on. Uh, the congressional skiff from yesterday that kind of left a lot of people disappointed, including the Congress people who include who were included there. So we're going to get uh, Nick's take on that. And I'm really looking forward to asking him about um, everything going on in Peru. You know, we've spoken a lot about that. I've spoken a lot about that with you. Here on the show, the reports coming out of Peru, all the strange things that are being seen there. Really excited to get his take there and to get his take on, well, ancient aliens, right? Because, of course, everybody knows Nick Pope from the uh, the famous show Ancient Aliens. He's on tour right now with Giorgio and all the guys from Ancient Aliens. So we'll get his take on what came out of Peru as well that we saw at the Mexican congressional hearing, the, you know, Peruvian alien mummy, if you will. So a lot to discuss here today with Nick. Really excited to get his take on all the stuff and talk to him about it. So bring him on here now. Nick Pope, of course, again, you know him from Ancient Aliens, uh, former head of the British Ministry of Defense, and just all-around good guy. <laughs> Very thankful that he's able to join the show here today and discuss all this with me. Thanks again, Nick. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. So Man, a lot has gone on actually since the last time we spoke. So I felt like, you know what? It might today feels like a Nick Pope day where we can get together and kind of update on a lot of different things going on. The first one being the most recent, um, this this apparent, you know, confidential meeting behind closed doors, the skiff with you know some of the Congress people, uh, Anna Polina Luna and Jared Moskowitz and people like that, Robert Garcia, sitting down with the DOD, but apparently not much came from it. What, what did you take from that yesterday? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, when David Grush testified uh, alongside Ryan Graves and David Fravor uh, to the House Oversight Committee uh, some, some time ago, a lot of people will remember how he kept saying, I can't answer that question in an open forum and, and variations of, of that theme. And then he said, I can only really discuss this in a skiff. So SCIF, obviously, secure compartmented uh, information facility, basically a place 
uh, a secure room. You know, people think of of the uh, shielded rooms in embassies where the CIA all all get together. That that kind of scenario, free from electronic eavesdropping, um, all, all of that. Right. So the the key thing about yesterday, though, that might surprise people is is that David Grush was not present. Hmm. This this was um, you know, so it was a kind of follow up. Only it wasn't. And, and uh, representatives Burchett and Luna and others had said, well, you know, let's get into a skiff. But to go into a skiff without David Grush, when, when David Grush had been the one saying, you know, I can only reveal this to suitably clear people in a skiff, meant, meant really not much was going to happen. And that's the takeout we got. Of course, um, a number of media outlets, I think, were on hand afterwards uh, you know the usual thing: stick the microphone in in the face as they come out of the the room and say, "Hey, what what happened?" And the answer was not a lot. Yeah. DoD IG um, just just really uh, made no no from what I understand no significant revelations, and so there are still question marks over who is actually cleared to be briefed on what. So. You can you can get anyone you like into a skiff. You can actually get. I mean, you don't even have to have a security clearance to get mm. into a skiff. You can be signed into one as long as there's no classified material available for that that an uncleared person might see. So a skiff was never a magic bullet here, and mm. and so the the short answer is that yesterday was another step on the journey. But really, to get resolution of, of the claims that David Grush made, we need to get him into a skiff. But it must be with people who have the, the high security clearances that he feels he can reveal this information to. And that may literally be the gang of eight. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's, that does seem like the main thing, doesn't it? Which kind of brings me to my next question. What did they expect differently when i say they i mean you know representative burchett or luna or moskowitz who you know the kind of these these main faces that have been involved i mean they they know that they don't have these clearances i mean i understand that the optics of it right that's these contracts or these secrets or secret you know technologies are being hidden from the u.s congress from oversight and that's a really big deal but at the same time if they don't have the necessary clearances should they have expected this to be, you know, to turn out any differently than it did? Well, that's a really interesting point. I think there are two uh, points that I would make in response to that. Firstly, maybe they hoped that if they asked the right questions and pushed hard enough and specifically drilled down into, for example, are there legacy programs covering crash retrievals and reverse engineering? Perhaps they hoped that they would get a response along the lines of something that either directly or indirectly confirmed that, but then said, you know, we, we can't give you the details because there's, there's, you don't have the sufficient clearances. But maybe they knew full well that that wasn't going to happen. And maybe they deliberately set this up. I mean, these are all mm. smart people. Right. Maybe they deliberately set it up so that the question has now been asked and left hanging and that people like us are now asking 
it and saying, well, what's next? What do we, the, the question is this, what do we need to do to move this forward that we are not currently doing? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny you say that because um, kind of leads me into my next thought, which was Tim Burchett uh, did a, did an interview after this, you know, this meeting and everything. And they, they asked him, Hey, you know, what are, what do you think the next steps are? I don't know. Listen, he seems like a guy that gets things done, right? I mean, he's been kind of a, a, a pit bull with this issue and he's really gone full steam ahead and it's gone further than I ever thought it would. But he says next steps would be his goal is to have a another hearing like we had with David Grush and, and, and so on, but with, you know, DOD contractors and, you know, people like that, guys from Lockheed, guys from Raytheon, and to have that type of open hearing like we saw with the witnesses. Is that a pipe dream, Nick, do you think? Or is that something that they could realistically actually work out? I think that's doable. Okay. But... But again, it depends. I, I mean, there's people, I think, you know, you and I talk about this very sort of comfortably knowing the system. But I think people people that, that maybe are less familiar with the procedures and the protocols don't realize that there's two ends of the, the line here. It's not just it, – it, it's at, at one end of the line. It's who have you got giving the briefing? Mm. And, and whether that's the DOD uh, IG, whether it's the ICIG, whether it's David Grush, or whether it's a number of other whistleblowers, are they read into these legacy programs if they exist? So that's the one part of the equation that you need. But the second part, to marry this up, you need to know that the people receiving the briefing where, you know, congressional representatives actually in the room, what they have to have sufficient security clearance and need to know. And, and that may be, that may entail both parties, the briefer and the briefee, both being satisfied that each of them are read in to these programs and have the sufficient clearances. And only then, at that level, can party A talk to party B about what they know. And it's, it's you know, so you can have you can have people with the highest clearances in in the nation, but if the other side of of the table doesn't have them, it's no use to you. Yeah, no, you're right. That's that's a good point. So. Does it, you know, on the surface, it seems like Congress is being stonewalled, right? You know, we've heard the representatives say that themselves. They've used that word that they feel like they're being stonewalled by the DOD and, and such. Is, is, is that the case, though? Or is it just that they don't have yet the right combination? They're, they're playing the game to get to the right combination of having the right people in the room. I, I think that's right. I'm never a fan. I mean, look, I, I served for 21 years as a civilian employee at the UK Ministry of Defense. And sure, we we always talked up good news and played down bad news. Right. But but constitutionally, you don't lie. Or or rather, there are very, very few circumstances where it's constitutionally acceptable to tell a direct lie. Mm. And I mean, it, you know, I can get into a couple of examples just because it's quite fun. Sure. But um, devaluation of the currency is one example where if if you were put into a situation 
where you were asked, are there any plans to devalue the currency? Mm. It is constitutionally acceptable, certainly in the United Kingdom, to tell a direct lie, because if, if, you, if you actually do have a plan, it would cause a run on the pound yeah. and, and economic chaos. So that's one circumstance. The other circumstance is, is if somebody is, is arrested and is not an intelligence officer, but, but an agent, and the question is put, do you, is this one of yours? Hmm. And confirming that would get them killed. Um, it, it is acceptable to say, never heard of him. Right, right. <laughs> you know, um, so, and, and in those circumstances, there are usually multiple cutouts anyway. But I, I'm just saying, contrary to what the UFO community and the conspiracy theory community often seem to believe, it we don't go around telling lies on a daily basis. Hmm. We spin we play up good news, we play down bad news, but we don't lie. And I think, you know, when I look at these people, I see decent, honorable, truthful people. That's why most people join government, the military, the intelligence community. I recognize that some people are watching this and rolling their eyes. I get it. <laughs> I get it. But, you know, I, I'm just telling it how I see it. And I think yeah. those people who go in and brief are being in, entirely sincere and they either are not read into those programs themselves or if they are they know the person sitting across the table from them isn't and that's why i say you mm. need you need both sides of the table not only to have the security clearances the need to know but to know that each other has them and be 100% confident about that yeah no it's it's a great point and that's you know the formula right you got to have the right formula and Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll, I'll ask this before we move on because I know our, our time is limited here today and we want to get to a couple of other things. But I'm just wondering, kind of theoretically speaking, playing off of what Representative Burchett says, where he would like the next step to be to have you know, a type of a, a hearing where you have these DOD contractors, right, sitting on the stand, so to speak, like like David Grush did and everybody else. If they do that, do we get anything out of that? Or is it going to be more of the same, like where David Grush had to sit there sometimes and say, well, I can't really go into that because, you know, there's different clearances. I mean, I feel like if even if we get that hearing, it might turn into, well, I can talk to you about that in a different setting. I can't talk about it here. You're absolutely right. And this is the catch 22. People want an openness and transparency. So that like you know, let's have a public hearing. Yeah. The moment you have a public hearing, obviously the moment you hit anything classified, doesn't even have to be particularly highly classified. You just get, I can't discuss that in the open session. So so that's the catch 22. I think it may literally take either 
someone on the Gang of Eight to say, we want these whistleblowers in a skiff to talk to us, mm. and then we'll decide and look into it. And it may, it may take that. Or at the top end of the spectrum, it may literally need the President of the United States in his capacity as Commander-in-Chief to say, I directly order the declassification of any UAP-related legacy programs, wow. and I further order that any information obtained as a result of such legacy programs be disclosed in open sessions to Congress. Those would be big steps. So I guess huge, yeah, <laughs> immense. I, it really would have, yeah, like world changing, like you know, unprecedented. So we'll see. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be you know more along the lines of baby steps, which I'm sure you agree with. I absolutely yes. Yeah. So you know, it's just going to be a chipping away process. So I feel like we are further along than we were last year. So we'll see how much further along we get as time goes on. I suppose. Um, yes. But speaking of that, Nick, actually, you know, we talked about these congressional hearings and, you know, settings like that. There was one after the one that we had here in the States where they had in Mexico. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with with Robert Salas. I, I, I know that you are. I had him on about a month or so ago because he was there with Ryan Graves as witnesses to speak at the UAP Mexican hearing. And he was there to see the unveiling of the mummy, so to speak of this, you know, small alien that was supposedly brought from Peru. And I asked him about that, you know, what was that like in the in that moment, you know, to be in the room? And he said everybody was shocked. Nobody knew that was coming. But since then, and I, I want to get your opinion on this, of course, being, you know, of, of uh, the ancient aliens and everything that's, of course, you specialize in and you're on the tour, which we'll get to before we're done here today as well. Are we looking at a scenario where we are looking at some type of ancient alien ancestor just because of the tests that have been done on this thing where they have verified at least that we're looking at an actual skeleton what do you make of all this well i'm a little bit more cautious on this story and and you know with choosing my words carefully i'll say yeah. there's a difference between somebody claiming that a scientific analysis has been done mm. and has produced results x and actually having that written up in a scientific paper that's then peer-reviewed mm. and published in a journal like Science or Nature. And anyone can say, oh, we've analyzed this, scientists have looked at it, and, and it's the real deal. And that may or may not be true, but there are all sorts of potential confounds here, even assuming that the people are being truthful. And, and look, I'll, let's assume, you know, let's, let's take the moral high ground and assume that everyone is being open and honest about this. Even if that's true, one can get DNA contamination. I mean, you, you pick up a, a, a child skeleton, a genu genuine thousand-year-old child skeleton. Um, DNA can degrade over time. Then, then you as a researcher touch it with ungloved hands. And somewhere, you know, even if people are wearing gloves at, at the event, someone, it's easy when particularly if you're transporting something and a customs official says no no if you want to bring this in you have to have to take it out you know i have to take a look at this mm. put it through a scanner whatever uh, you can get m mingling of dna contamination of of 
DNA. So look, I, I mean, this is something for sure. But whether it's whether it's a genuine child skeleton, whether it's a mixture of of human uh, and and animal bones, whether there's the, some model making that's that's been brought into the the fray, maybe even by our ancestors. I mm. I don't know. And and like I say, until not just claims are made of scientific analysis, but until we actually get that analysis peer-reviewed and and formally written up and published, we it does not pass the it doesn't clear the bar, so to speak, in terms of scientific evidence. So look, I would love this to be true. Sure. Uh, I really would, but I, I'm not yet sure. And I, I know that I haven't I haven't spoken to Robert Salas since since any of this but i know that ryan graves was very disappointed mm. because he felt that this was a misstep and i think i tend to agree with him on this whatever the truth of of these mummies this this was a a publicity stunt this it this it was the key takeaway of course of this event whereas i think people like ryan graves and certainly myself hoped that the key takeaway would be now the mexican congress is engaged on the defense national security and flight safety implications of uap just as the u.s congress has been for the last few years if that had been the outcome of this event i think everyone would have been very happy but it's all now just mummy gate yeah yeah, no, I think you're right. And that is um, that was the unfortunate part about it, because we still don't really know what to make of what we're looking at. But so much of the of the message got lost. You know, yeah, during, exactly. During exactly. So that was that was the tough part. What have you seen, Nick, as far as, you know, as far as the ancient alien theory is concerned? What have you come across in all the years that you've been looking at this and talking about it that would where, where you can point to it and say, you know what, we should be talking about this, not the the, the supposed mummies. Well, you know, although I'm on Ancient Aliens and I'm one of the regulars on the show, they tend to bring me in for the modern UAP stories, government aspects of this, um, right. uh, you know, pilot sightings, radar operators. So I'm I'm less well briefed on all of this than, say, Giorgio Sukalos, David Childress, right. or William Henry. But... I mean, of course, I, I spend a lot of time with them, not just shooting on the show, but but doing Ancient Aliens Live, the, the touring stage show, and just talking to to these guys. I, I mean, they're so super bright and knowledgeable on this. They put me to shame. But I think it is some of the mysteries of the ancient sites, where whether you're talking about the Great Pyramids at Geyser, whether you're talking about uh, Pumapunku, whether you're talking about Stonehenge, and it's all about the alignments and the mathematical and geometric knowledge encoded into it. But it's also, and and you know, Travis Taylor is is who served, of course, as the chief scientist on the the UAP task force when mm. Jay Stratton was was director. Travis talks sometimes about the engineering of some of these sites, whether it's it's Stonehenge or the the pyramids, but Baalbek. Um, those sorts of things. And he says that we would struggle even today hmm. you know, to, to move some of these blocks. And then when you look at some of the uh, sites, for example, in, in South America, some of the stone is so tightly fused together, yeah. you can't fit a dollar bill 
right. between it. <laughs> and when I look at, at something like that, and, and when I look at, and, and I've heard William Henry and Travis Taylor talk about, uh, for example, images uh, from the temple walls in Egypt of the Ark of the Millions of Years, sometimes mm. called the Ark of Eternity, and look at the way in which there are similarities between that and representations of how scientists now, theoretical physicists, think we, we might open a wormhole, for example. Mm. It's uncanny. And even someone with a skeptical viewpoint like myself has to reappraise my views and say, hmm, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> it really is fascinating. I mean, we could talk about that for, for hours, all the subjects when it, when it covers everything that goes back to ancient times. And But I think you would kind of hit the nail on the head. The thing that's always kind of got me when it comes to the ancient scenario is the mathematics that's involved with it. I mean, that doesn't happen by accident, you know? No. Mathematics There's, is the universal language. It's how right. we communicate with extraterrestrials. And it's how maybe, even if we can't understand the, the perspective sometimes of our, our ancestors, what it does tell us is that they were super smart and, and were able to understand complex ideas revolving around engineering and mathematics and geometry. But as Giorgio Sukolos, um poses this question, is... Is it really so hard to postulate that just as we all now, being hopefully super smart and things, but we all have teachers, maybe they had teachers too. And who might those teachers have been? Everyone has a teacher. True. That's, that's, that's a good point. You know, you put it, put it that way. Someone had to teach them something. So, yeah, it was so fascinating. Um, appreciate the work that you guys do on that show because it's always it always gets you thinking, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. We... Ancient Aliens, whether it's the stage show or whether it's the TV series, it doesn't preach to people. Right. It asks the question, you know, what if? Could it be? Mm -hmm. And if you go away thinking about something, talking about something, debating it, even if you disagree, that's a good outcome for, for a, a, a live show or a TV show. It, if, if it gets you thinking and questioning and bouncing points off of each other, that's, it's done its job. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's I kind of take that philosophy myself when it comes to what I do on on my show. So it's um it seems that's always the best way to go. Like you said, not preachy, just put it out there and you know let people make up their minds. I, I want to stick in South America real quick before we go here, Nick, because there's something really interesting happening, um, intriguing, kind of mystifying that's happening down in Peru and now into Brazil. It seems about these luminous figures that have been seen that are you know uh, supposedly even coming in contact with villagers in in uh, uh in peru and zapping them some of the witnesses are saying i mean there's some unbelievable tales that are coming out from there you know ronnie Fernet is down there that's another guy who is at the mexican hearing he's been down there and and um you know investigating this whole thing i'm sure you've been watching it from afar maybe even talking to people about it what do you make about all these strange sightings down in South America. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. I will confess that because of my current focus on, on the whole congressional situation, I've not looked into this as closely as, as perhaps I should have done. But yes, I, I mean, what a fascinating intersection, mm. perhaps, of the modern UAP phenomenon with, I mean, and, and this ties back to what we were talking about, about, about ancient aliens, with, with, 
often, you know, when you look at indigenous peoples and and their their myths and their legends, and and you look at the intersection, and you say, well, you, you know, wh what parts of this are literally true? Mm. What parts of it relate to mythology? And what part of it is a true phenomenon, but interpreted, whether it's indigenous people in South America or, or people in the Western world, whoever we are, we interpret any experience we have, anything, normal mm -hmm. or paranormal, through the lens of our knowledge, our culture, and our belief system. And, and so what's fascinating about this is that just as we think that the UAP phenomenon is a very homogenous thing, that, that it's very structured and, and everyone's sightings are the same. Something along the lines of this happens to teach us just how varied and multifaceted this phenomenon is. Does that reflect cultural differences around the world or does it reflect a difference in phenomena? Now, people like researchers like John Keel and Jacques Vallée right. looked into this variety, uh, and you know, for for decades, and and there's no definitive answer. But but again, just as why it was frustrating in a sense that the Mexican congressional hearing got overshadowed with the the, the mummy situation instead of using it as, as an opportunity to get Mexican lawmakers engaged. Well, you know. What I want to hear is I, I want to hear that the Peruvian government, the Brazilian government, other other governments in South America are engaging on this and trying to find out what's going on. And because there's no substitute for getting boots on the ground yeah. in your own country and, and talking to people, you, you know, I, I think the indigenous people, for example, in Peru, who are largely having these experiences, will talk to Western researchers and reporters in one way but they'll talk to for example um there are plenty of indigenous people in the peruvian government and military and intelligence community and and when they talk person to person maybe that's how you get to the truth about this so so i think there are important questions to be asked about this but sometimes it takes the right people to ask them. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's a, it's a fascinating situation because something is going on, right? I mean, oh, yes. There's and, and I mean, my, my understanding is that the translation, I mean, it, it literally is, is face peelers. Yeah. And, and so there's a dark side to some of this. And, and again, if there's a threat and if an aspect of this phenomenon or phenomena, if we're talking about different things, is, is hostile... Um, whether it's whether it's overt hostility or whether it's just inadvertent harm caused by interaction with this phenomena, and, and we've seen that, for example, in relation to UAP radiation, sometimes, mm. then we need to know. Yeah, and but also again, it's just um, pardon me, it's just another okay. reminder why we don't want to be too US centric yeah. on any of this. No, you're right. It's it's a global thing. I mean, and I think sometimes. People kind of forget that this isn't just, you know, a, a U.S. issue. This is for the entire world. Um, and it's also something that I think, you know, we shouldn't lose sight of the possibility that maybe this is some type of human operation as well. 
you know, I think that's a fair question to ask. Is this some type of human operation where they're using some type of advanced technology for whatever reason in that region? We, I mean, we don't know, but something's being seen. You know what I mean? People are something's been some seen. Something is is interacting with people, as you say. Let's let's not take anything off the table yeah. until we have more data on on this. And and again, going right back to the first Office of the Director of National Intelligence preliminary assessment on UAP in in June of 2021. Let's always remember that there isn't going to be a single neat answer to this that explains everything. We are likely dealing with a multiplicity of phenomena here and explanations for this. Some conventional, others maybe not so. Yeah, I think it's a good way of putting it. And I know before before you go, because we're about to get, get you out of here, Nick, um, we were talking about the, the tour that you're on, the Ancient Aliens tour, because it's been a fascinating discussion. I wish we had more time, but we'll do it again another time. But the Ancient Alien tour you, you guys are on now, this is still going, right? Like you still have dates coming up. Yes, we've done about 30. I think we've got another 20 or so in in the calendar looking ahead over the next few months. Awesome. I've, we, we've got four next week and and then four the week after that. So November, very busy. Uh, ancientaliensalivetour.com for details of the shows. It's a 90-minute live in-person stage show. We, we tour around the nation it's it's Giorgio Sukalos, William Henry, David Childress, myself. Travis Taylor is is with us for some of the shows. Obviously, he's off at Skinwalker Ranch for a lot of time, but he's he's joined us previously. He's going to be there for the four Florida shows oh, cool. that, okay. that we're doing. And we discuss everything from ancient mysteries to the the modern UAP developments and and we we always uh, try and keep really really current so for example at the last show we talked about the the most recent congressional hearings i'm sure we will next week we'll we'll give our take on what happened in the skiff yesterday so we try and be really up to date with this we we um we we like to say that it it is both informative but entertaining as well and as you can imagine when the four and sometimes five of us get together with our different areas of expertise and our different um, personalities. There's a little bit, shall we say, of banter, not, sure. not just in the margins of the show, but uh, it has been known to, to happen on stage too. We, we do sometimes have a little bit of fun at each other's expense. And, and we're, we're all friends and colleagues, of course, but um, things, things get a little bit fun and, and, uh, interesting sometimes so ancient aliens live tour.com and um yeah i hope i hope people can come along and and see what the buzz is about P people love the show i mean they they we, we're getting some full houses we're we're you know between 1500 and 2000 people turn out each evening sometimes for some of these shows we go into beautiful theater uh, venues so yeah people seem to really really enjoy it no, that's awesome, man. That's that's great to hear. You guys are killing it with that. I'm really happy it's working out. Uh, it's, it sounds like a great show. I mean, hopefully maybe I can make it to one of the Florida dates. I'm down here in South Yeah, Florida. that would be great. So, yeah, I would love to, to try to get to one of those. It sounds like a lot of fun. And just in case uh, you know people don't know where to follow you on social media so they can follow along with what you're doing, how do they find you again? Well, my um, main social media platform that I use is X, currently known, uh, formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. So uh, there I am at nick pope mod 
which stands, of course, for Ministry of Defense. So yeah. at Nick Pope, M-O-D. Awesome. All right, Nick Pope, thank you so much for jumping on here today on uh, UAP Weekly and for stopping by and just discussing all these current issues that are going on. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we can uh, talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Yeah, you got it. Great guy. They always really enjoy talking to Nick Pope. So knowledgeable. Um, and just puts a really good perspective on, on everything I've always thought. So really appreciate him coming on here again today. And you know, there's just a lot of topics there. Um, I know some of it frustrating when it comes to, to the government stuff. That's always going to be the issue, right? So I'll continue to look into that. You know I will when I talk to all the different guests that you know bring on here on UAP and just through my own research. There's always something going on behind the scenes, and that's where I do my best to keep you up to date on everything that I'm being told and that I am seeing. It's an adventure, that is for sure, but that'll do it for now. I will uh, keep you updated on episode 75 of the traditional UAP. I have some plans for that, hopefully very soon. I can bring that out to you, so I'll let you know what's going on with that one. And of course, I will, like I said, keep you up to date on everything happening. That's what I always try to do all the time here on UAP Weekly and on social media. So you can follow me, you can follow the show at UAPodcast850 on Twitter slash X and on all social media, uh, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Instagram, so you can follow the show there. And if you have anything that you want to say where you don't use social media, because I am aware not everybody is on social media, which I'm actually kind of jealous. I wish I was didn't have to be on it so much. But you can send me an email if you want. If that's easier or preferable for you. Uh, it's sdeaneruap. That's S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com. You can send me an email there. Um, I know I, I see the emails, by the way. I don't, I'm not ignoring anybody, just so you know. If you send me an email, I'm doing my best to get back to you. So please be patient. I'm really sorry. Um, um, I wish I was better with some of the things on my plate and my time and getting back to people really, really quickly. Unfortunately, I just get distracted by so many things, but I will get back to you. I try to get back to everyone with every message that is sent my way because I appreciate. All of you, none of this is possible without you uh, taking to me into the show like, you know, the way that you have. So until next time, don't forget to, you can download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, however you're doing that. You can just keep it up there on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, and all that good stuff. But again, thank you so much. That'll do it for today on UAP Weekly. I will talk to you again very soon and keep you updated on everything going on through social media and all that good stuff as well. It's Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.